Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Fix the Convince. I'm Paul Mosenson. We have some interesting topic today, and we're going to talk about this concept called conversion rate optimization. Huh? You've heard of it. I know you have. Here's the thing. You're spending all this money on this brand new, beautiful website, you know, multiple pages, and you're tracking analytics, and you're spending all this dough on SEO and, and advertising and media and content marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Here's our marketing plan. We have everything listed here except one thing. Isn't the goal to drive leads and sales on your website, right? How do you know you're getting as many prospects to click and submit as you should be? Well, there's one thing that you have to keep in mind here in this whole digital marketing realm is CRO or conversion rate optimization. It's easier said than done. There's a, an art and a science behind it for sure, like any marketing strategy. And this really needs to be um, not taken lightly, right? It's, it's really important to do everything you can to drive a prospect to a, a form or a purchase button to click, submit, or whatever your CTA is to generate leads and sales to your company. If you're not optimized for conversions, they're going to leave and go to a competitor. You don't want that, do you? So there's a science behind this. And that's why we're talking about CRO today with my special guest. And she is Deb Sinkus. And she's the founder and CEO of Polished Geek, which is a boutique digital marketing and web development agency headquartered in North Carolina. They've been around since 2009. Deb and her team at Polish Geek help clients improve their website and marketing ROI with strategic consulting and expert implementation services in marketing automation, website personalization, and of course, conversion rate optimization. Deb is a CXL Institute certified optimizer, a credential awarded to those who successfully complete the CRO industry's most rigorous training and certification program for conversion rate optimization professionals. So she's a specialist, and we're glad to have her on the show today. Hi, Deb. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Sure. No worries, and thanks for uh, being available. And hopefully we get lots of listeners and conversions, right? Absolutely. (laughs) That's what we're talking about today. So I'm going to ask a number of questions, and um, I look forward to some good conversation. A lot of uh, executives uh, may have heard of CRO, but... um, how do you define CRO exactly? What does it really mean to you? Well, there's the short answer and the long answer. So the short answer is that it's a data-driven, scientific way to look at what you're getting as far as conversions on your website or your marketing, whether it's email marketing or something like that. You, you really analyze everything and you, you apply a scientific process to figuring out what you could possibly improve and then taking steps to improve it, and then seeing where you are with that. How did it work? Did it not work? And then taking what you learned and putting it back into that process again to continuously drive the metrics in the direction you want them to go. That's the short answer. Um, A long answer is that there's about six different specific areas of analysis that we do 
uh, when, whenever you're going to do a real CRO program and really get into the meat of it. And I'd be happy to go through what those all are. Um, there is the web analytics, of course. It's kind of the foundational thing. You know, you can't improve what you can't measure. We all know that. Um, so web analytics is making sure that there's goals and trackable events and that you know what people are clicking on and you have a baseline, right? You have to have that first. And then the next thing that you do is you do some technical analysis. Things like look at the performance of your website, the speed. Are there a lot of broken links laying around? And one of the things that we tend to always find when we do this is we call dead ends or funnels to nowhere, where you actually get someone to convert. Maybe you get them to fill in a form or you get them to download a lead magnet. And then the thank you page is basically, thanks a lot, bye-bye. You don't, you don't give them the next thing that they should maybe be interested in. You don't engage them. You don't keep them on the site. So that's some of what we look for in technical analysis. And then there's mouse tracking. There's things like looking at heat maps, of how far down people scroll on the site, where they click on the site. You can do user session recordings, which anonymously records. Just basically, you can sit and watch how the mouse moved around the screen and where people went and where they clicked. That's very interesting. Um, it's also, it's kind of funny sometimes when we watch some of those recordings, we see what you call, call uh, click rage or mouse rage. Have you ever been using a website, Paul, and you, you get frustrated? Have you ever noticed that involuntarily you're kind of moving the mouse around rapidly in the area where you're frustrated? People actually that's, do that, and you can see that on the recording. <laughs> you know where that comes when, um, I know it's a lot of companies do it, is when they're trying to close out those pop-up boxes for lead generation and conversions, right? So it's yes. kind of a, like a damn if you do, damn if you don't. <laughs> yes, that happens, but you'll see people, you know, doing confusing, you can tell they're confused by the movement of the mouse around around forms or around maybe a headline statement or something like that. So some stuff like that that we can see. Um, so that's some of the mouse tracking that we look at. We um, do something we call heuristic analysis. That's, that's the official zero term for it. But basically it's a site walkthrough by an expert. Someone walking through the website, putting themselves in the shoes of the customer and saying, would I be motivated by this? Am I confused by this? Are there things on this page that don't make sense or are actually in conflict with what I would expect? Um, how difficult is it for me to find what I came for? So it's someone who's you know been doing CRO for a long time. They've looked at a lot of sites. They've studied best practices and such. And so they begin to look at the site from that perspective. And then there's user testing, which is you take like third-party people. You don't take the established customers. You don't take the staff at the client site. And it's, this is separate from just us. And this is where you get maybe eight to 10 people to sit down and you give them a couple of defined tasks and you get their feedback. You get them to verbalize and say, well, I didn't expect that here. I would have thought this would have been here. Um, you get them to give you their honest feedback. And it's it's interesting. You don't have to do this with 100 people, Paul. You can do this with like 10 and get so much valuable information. So um, that's really good for like at the top of the funnel. You know, people who are coming to the website, what's the first impressions? What are the things that people tend to think? And then the last part of the analysis is, is actually more of mid and bottom of funnel. And that's where you're doing qualitative surveys and analysis. So you might put like a survey widget on the website and ask people, did you find what you came here? To did you find what you were looking for today? 
pray, you know, did you, did you achieve what you wanted today? Um, we try to stay away from that cliched one of, how do you like our website? Because <laughs> you're going to get not as much valuable feedback. Um, but you can put stuff like that on there. Even people who um, maybe don't want to do that or maybe they want to do that and pursue other things, there's usually a lot of qualitative information you can get. There might be they use an online chat. You can go through the chat logs and things like that and do some analysis on what are the themes you're hearing? What are people? What are the objections that you're seeing? What are the things people are asking? Well, there's a lot of elements here, and we got into the weeds, <laughs> but um, but it's interesting, and it just really tells the audience there's a lot involved here. But what's the bottom line, right? Is you know the messaging that engages you to go further, right? Um, look at all of that. We look at you know the buyer personas, and there's so much involved with starting with the messaging, right? And then all the way through call to action buttons and and engagement buttons because you want to drive people from interest to desire to action right and exactly. uh, and you and we go through all of that uh, scientifically and a little bit of art <laughs> to um to optimize that whole journey i guess we'll call that to um i'm here on your website you want me to leave or do you want me to stay right is that the whole idea and Everything yes. has to be uh, convincing audiences to um, click on that submit button. Right, or check out and buy that item. And so you, so that's why you look at things from all those different angles. All six of those things that I briefly explained, you look at all of them and you pull them together because they give you a very good picture of all the things that you could possibly do that would drive that behavior better. Um, and, you know, so it's it's, some emotional marketing feedback that you get in qualitative stuff. It's a little bit of psychology. Yeah, some of it's technical. Um, but you, you, can, you get so much input from looking at it from all those distinct angles, and then you end up with this huge bank of ideas. And these are all the things that you can begin to try, whether you actually do formal A-B testing or whether you're just going to try changing it on your site and then measuring it the next month and seeing if it made an impact in the direction that you wanted. So when you're a high-level executive and you're listening to the show, and obviously your big responsibility is growing revenue and sales and things like that, um, how would we communicate to clients about the importance of CRO? I know it, it can be... Um, I guess overwhelming, but it's important, right? Because you've got hungry yes. mouths to feed. You want to generate more <laughs> revenue for your company. Don't think the web designers know what they're doing. Um, there's there's a lot of factors here. So what's I mean, what's your advice to um, if you're convinced a, a company said, yeah, we need CRO, we we need to include this as part of our marketing program. What's your advice to to get started? Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head in the intro, Paul. You, you did a very good job of summing that up, which is you're spending all this money everywhere else. Right? You're, you're investing in marketing automation, perhaps, email marketing. You're doing content marketing. Maybe you're investing in paid ads. You're doing all these things. You're spending all this money to bring people to the website. And if you don't do the other part, which is work on improving that site, optimizing your conversion rate, getting more qualified leads. If you don't do that, you're throwing away a high, high proportion of that money. 
know, it's that leaky bucket, right? That analogy of you can, you have a bucket and it has a lot of holes in it. And you keep pouring water in the top. That's your paid advertising and all the marketing efforts that you're doing. But you got a lot of leaks because your conversion rate optimization hasn't been done on your site. So you're just you're paying all the money to bring them there and then you're losing them. So um, it, it really is about optimizing, not just making your website better and more pleasant to use. It's not just about that. It's about making sure that every marketing dollar you're spending, you're getting maximum value out of it. And so if someone is new to this concept and they're thinking about doing this, um, you know, well, one of the first things that I tell people is, well, we've got to make sure we've got some baseline metrics. Like we can't, but I said earlier, you can't measure what you can, you cannot improve what you can't measure, right? So we've got to have the ability to track what people are doing on the site. We've got to have analytics. That's the first thing that, you know, you're going to have to pay some attention to. And a lot of websites we come across have been built without that in mind. They're built to look awesome. <laughs> they've been they've been built to look great but there's nothing being tracked you know unless maybe you're talking about a checkout um that's a challenge right you've got to get those things in place so that we can tell where are we now and then where do we want to go yeah i mean when you're in b2b it's a little bit a little more complicated depending on your business model right because you have to define what a conversion is if you already have that benchmark at all obviously the easy one is uh, generating email addresses on a website, whether it's get a quote or download guide, whatever, a form is a form, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. But you know, with other tracking and you might, you know, what I do is uh, we build in email submission tracking, right? Cause that's another engagement. If you want to treat that as a conversion versus a form, or if you're a business that relies on phone calls, you know, track that as well. I think all those things together, how you define what a quote website conversion is. And I think for the audience out there, they have to understand what we're talking about here is, you know, you call it lead generation, but it's really inquiry generation for B2B, right? Because mm -hmm. we're giving um, your salespeople an opportunity to qualify those inquiries that come in because everything we're talking about with website and landing pages at the end of the day, whether it's get a quote or download guide or sign up for free assessment, whatever it is, I mean, they're really mostly at the inquiry stage until they become qualified. And that's where nurturing and other things come in. But I just wanted to like just bring that out there because the word conversion could also be on the sales side, which is, you know, qualified lead to close, right? Which it's not really a CRO thing, more of a sales consultant type uh, activity or sales management. But um, we are talking in this conversation, a conversion, which is a focus on what happens on a website. Right, exactly. And the, the formal terminology is micro and macro conversions. The macro conversion might be the big stuff you actually really want. Give me your email address, fill in this form, convert and give this lead to my sales team. That's a macro conversion. That's, that's what you're aiming for. There's a bunch of little micro conversions that happen first, right? A person might watch a video on your website. You can track what percentage of the video that they watch. They might download a free white paper. It doesn't require, it's not gated. It doesn't require them to give an email. There are things on the site that you still also want to track that we call micro conversions, which are little steps they're taking in the direction you want them to go. Little things that happen before they turn around and fill in that form and give you their email address. So making sure that you can track all of that because it's not just about that one thing and then the other thing too is that 
you got to think of quality versus quantity. Because you, no matter how good your sales team is, they only have so much time, right? And I'm addressing here B2B lead gen like you just did. You only have so much time. So giving them five times as many leads aiming for quantity might not actually help your business if all those extra leads are low quality leads and they're not really well motivated, they're not really a good fit. It's not about just getting more people to fill in the form, it's getting more of the right people in the form. And that's one of the reasons why we track those little micro conversions that show us the behaviors that tend to be linked to, this is a good prospective customer. This is someone that is very likely to want to buy from us. Right. So if we talk a lot about B2B, but of course, e-commerce is a whole different play, mm -hmm. but a lot of it is similar at the same time. It's still persuading people to yes. perform an action. Any other yes. thoughts there regarding B2B and e-commerce? Well, e-commerce zero is certainly easier to measure, right? I mean, it's very obvious. You know, you begin a CRO program and after a month or two or three of doing that program, have the number of orders gone up, the average order value gone up, the number of repeat customers. You've got that immediate qualitative thing of, I have exact numbers from the checkout. B2B lead gen is more fuzzy. You know, it's you, some, of, some of the customers we work with have sales cycle to go on for months. You know, maybe they're selling an item that's very expensive. $20,000 or more, it can take a while for them to actually close that deal. Um, so it's, it's harder too because a lot of times lead gen B2B businesses don't necessarily want to share their sales figures. So it's not as obvious as you know what you get on an e-commerce site. But the process is still the same. I mean, we still look at all the same sort of things. We still approach it with the same methodology. We still approach it with the same mindset of doing, doing analysis, and research, getting into the mind of the customer, and trying different things to drive whatever the metric is we're trying to achieve. It's just that the end result of if we drive sales is a little bit harder to measure as a CRO agency in any way. Uh, it's harder for us to measure when we don't have e-commerce checkout, the immediate gratification there of, hey, look, sales are up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it goes back to e-commerce, there's obviously a number of elements you talk about micro conversions and macro do you go into cart abandonment you know there's like different elements there's yes product to cart and cart to purchase right mm -hmm. and optimizing those little steps and also you talked about average order value so that to me would mean cross sell upsell or optimizing the site to make sure people are buying the right products but go ahead Right. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, and that's one reason why you have to make sure that when you're doing CRO, you don't focus on just one metric. You know, don't only look at increasing the number of orders. It's kind of, again, back to that quantity versus quality. Because um, I've seen programs where someone puts all their effort into increasing the number of orders. And they do all these things that result positively. And more people putting something in their cart quickly and moving straight to checkout and getting the checkout quickly because they're not encouraged to actually browse around. Maybe you don't have any upsells like what you just mentioned. The average order value ends up going down. So, you know, you have to look at a whole bunch of metrics. There are 
plenty of examples online of successful CRO tests where one metric went up, but a metric that is more fundamental to the success of the business, like revenue or average order value or repeat orders actually goes down. Um, so you have to be able to look at all of those things and not just be with blinders on looking at one metric because it all has to fit together. And that's one reason why you want to make sure that you approach CRO, not just with all of that techy stuff I talked about earlier in the beginning, but with strategy. You've really got to understand the business. You've got to understand how the business is measured. What are the things that you want to achieve? Those are very important. It's not, sure. about, just, it's not about just getting in and doing the techie part. Well, you have to have a, you talked about benchmarks and part of that is, especially with e-commerce, but B2B as well is what's the value of a customer, mm -hmm. average person, average revenue per transaction, those kinds of things. Because I know I have clients who, you know, we kind of ideate and we kind of get stuck on the concept of offers and, uh, for instance, free shipping, which is expected, but is also may uh, cut into your margin, right? And, oh, yeah. And so, and so all these kinds of things are, are decisions, right? And and can be tests, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is because I know it's funny because we talk about like emotion and CRO, right? And a lot of it's like data, 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 this and that. But people buy with emotion, and that's a whole nother bigger topic, but at the end of the day, you'll buy something which makes you feel good. And if that means you got a discount, even though you could have afforded the regular price, it's like a, it, it's still the difference between purchase and buy-buy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. And, um, you know, you mentioned things like uh, free shipping. And you're right, free shipping has been shown repeatedly to be a big motivator for people checking out. Um, actually, it's funny, you can take, you can do tests and you can take a product that costs $10 and has $5 shipping charge. And you'll sell less of that than if you have a $15 product with free shipping, just the way it goes. Um, and people want to feel like they got something and people really resent paying for shipping nowadays. So it, that's one of, one of the fundamental things to test, but it also just depends on the type of product. And how fast people tend to want it and stuff like that too there's also some products where people are willing to pay for shipping and um, they're actually comparing it more as a commodity price so it's every business is different you know so there's some there's some things that are kind of like truisms that we think we all know but you never know until you test it you never know for sure until you look at what's going to work for this business and their products and their customers yeah for sure i i agree i mean there's a Everything is individual, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. if you want to position yourself as, let's just use the word upscale or whatever you want to use, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we have value here. We don't need the discount. Our product is good and you need to buy us because of our, because of our approach and, and how we solve problems, things like that, right? So, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's, it's good to test as well. Um, I know the other thing I just wanted to like bring up, I know we're getting into weeds, but you know, here's an example, probably a popular test you do. And again, going back to e-commerce, but also it could be with a uh, B2B commerce is, uh, you know, the concept of testing dollars off versus percent off, right? Mm -hmm. 
And, right. and what does that mean to people? You know, example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is also a very common test. And, you know, there's no hard and fast rule again how well it works. Um, sometimes people will respond more to, uh, they have a $100 product and I'm giving 10% off. Sometimes people will respond better to seeing that presented as, you know, $100 item, get 10% off today. Some people will respond better to $100 item, save $10 today. The same amount of money, um, but different audiences respond differently. So you've got to test and see which one works. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's people's mindsets, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and how, they, how they work to feel like they're getting a deal. You know, CRO, as you mentioned earlier, covers so many different things, right? You, you've got the, you, whether it's user experience, engagement, tracking yep. conversions, and, you know, in, in B2B, it's, we talk about web forms and testimonials and proof points, and we do like all these crazy things, right? All, it's all about really trust and proof, right? Mm -hmm. More among than anything, you know, if it's if you want to do offer, you know, you throw that as well, trust proof offer, and uh, which is uh, oh, I like that. That might be a new slogan I should trademark, but um, <laughs> right, uh, but you know, there's well, a lot here. here on the podcast live. That's right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. You know, so fix to convince. That's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. But with all these different elements and stuff, how do you? What's the process? How do you decide what to do first? Um, and, and, and to me, I tell people, let's get this done first before we even start marketing. But, um, you know, is there a process of what comes first or is it customized based on the client? Well, it certainly is. I mean, all of this is customized based on the client, right? What's the current situation? What is it they're trying to achieve? Uh, what kind of business model do they have? That sort of thing. So it's always customized to the client. But, Again, to go back to a structured process, this is where you know we introduce CRO as a science and an art, and it absolutely is both. The science helps you again with that prioritization. Of what do we do first? Um, now, I did mention earlier that web analytics is the fundamental. Like we have to do that first. We have to make sure that's all there and we can track everything because otherwise, how do we know whether or not what we're doing is even helping? Right. right so, setting benchmarks. Yeah, yeah, you've got to have those benchmarks. Absolutely, Paul. Then let's. Let's say you've done all that analysis in all those different areas I talked about. You've done clinical analysis, you've looked heat maps, and you've interviewed prospective customers, and you've looked at your chat logs, your friends, you've done all those things. Well, you're going to end up with this huge list of ideas. Oh, we could try this, we could change that, we should make this more obvious, we should add a page for this. There's just a ton of things that you end up coming up with. You end up with this big bank of ideas. And you have to figure out, well, which ones do we do first? Right? Which ones are most likely going to provide bang for the buck? Right? Because you can't do everything at one time. And so people who are formally trained in CRO have a prioritization framework that they use. Now, I won't go through the whole thing here, but I can tell you that what we do is we have very objective criteria. And we, we have like a whole set of questions that we kind of rank every single idea against. And some of those questions might be things like, how easy is this going to be to implement on the site? How fast can we actually get it done and, and actually see the change? Um, is it something that's going to take a day or two or is it going to take a week? You know, how difficult is it? Um, how obvious is this change going to be to a user? 
if we've seen in our heat maps, for instance, in our scroll maps, that only 25% of people get down at the bottom of the page, and we're talking about making a change near the bottom of the page, we need to be realistic about the fact that only 25% of people are probably going to see that. The things that are above the fold have a higher priority than things below the fold. Um, and another thing that, you know, we certainly look at, we think this is going to reduce friction on the site and make it easier for people to do business with us. Is it more likely to increase their motivation? So we rank against that. And then as an agency, and I'm sure you can, you can sympathize with this, Paul, there's a lot of times you have awesome ideas because they require resources at your client. Your client's busy. They're running their business. They're doing other things. They have a lot of internal projects. Sometimes they can't necessarily produce the content maybe that you that you suggest go on that site quickly. Maybe they can't produce that lead magnet idea that you had. So one of the other ranking factors that we personally use is, does this particular idea require much effort from the client itself? And if it doesn't, it's a higher rank than if it does because you know, time, right? What can we as an agency run off and do versus we have to have the client dedicate some resources and time to producing something? And of course, you know, it can be, we, we can have resources do that as well. It's not like that can't be an additional service, but you know, that's not generally, um, the idea isn't to come in with CRO and then start adding a bunch of costs. The idea is to help them as quickly as possible with a scientific approach, prove their lead generation or the sales well, on their e-commerce site. I mean, you bring up a point though of the tools and everything. It's what's involved, right? Because, you know, even for B2B and um, optimizing conversions, well, you know what, maybe if your call to action is a, a webinar or white paper, well, guess what? Maybe it's not problem solving enough. Maybe it's the power of the, the message that is not, driving as many leads if you're a, a lead gen advertiser, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it goes back to the whole thing with buyer personas. It's a whole other story and, and targeting the needs of a buyer and this and that. Um, you know, it, listen, if if that's the situation, well, it, you know, my team and NewSpark and we'll, you know, we build that, those content assets and update landing pages, right? And, you know, maybe you're more featured and benefits and you need to get more benefits. That's all part of the content part of CRO, which is a whole nother story, but it, it's, it's all critical. It all works together. Mm -hmm. You know, again, going back to the decision to click the submit button or not. Right. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. There's, there's a convincing elements that you need to have on the site to increase motivation. Those are the things that generally take longer. I mean, sometimes it's simple stuff. It's changing wording on a button, but most of the time it's much deeper than that. So that, that prioritization framework I mentioned just helps us put some objective criteria around where do we start first and the stuff that scores the highest stuff to start with and you just keep working your way down. And as you continue to do CRO, you continue to generate ideas, you continue to come up with other things. Um, and you just keep adding them into that bank of ideas and you keep ranking them and making sure that you're always working on the thing that you believe is going to give you the best bank for the buck. Yep. Uh, we're kind of winding down here and I'm going to ask you another question because everybody brings this up and they're going to throw it out like, uh, mm -hmm. like a term that is common, but maybe misunderstood or not. Uh, A-B testing, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, why don't you explain that and examples of that and, and, and a little more detail about how that works and 
obviously with benchmarks and things like that, but um, just give an overview of that if you don't mind. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> first thing to know is CRO does not necessarily require A-B testing. You don't have to do A-B testing. I'm not saying it's not a great idea. It is a good idea, but you don't have to have it. Whereas you cannot do good A-B testing without the CRO research. Um, because otherwise you're just randomly picking ideas and just testing stuff for the fun of it. Let's change this color button. You know, it, it, that, isn't, that isn't structured and it's not going to get your results. You're just kind of throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. So you have to have zero research to do baby testing. And if you have low traffic on your website where maybe you just don't get enough visitors that you can get some statistically solid A-B test results, you can still A-B test you're just going to have to make some assumptions from it, um, or you can still do an awful lot of CRO improvements and measuring your, your metrics against your baseline without doing formal A-B testing. What formal A-B testing is, for those who might not know, is basically presenting a portion of your traffic with another version of your, of your site or a page, or whatever. So let's say um, 100 people come to the homepage. If you're A-B testing the homepage, 50 of those people are going to see the one you have today, the one that's generally available to the public, the cool sees. And maybe 50% of them are going to see another variation of that homepage. They're going to see it maybe with different wording. They're going to see it maybe with different calls to action. Maybe they're going to see even a different image, different headline, different stuff. And then what you do is you measure in detail everything that happens on that page. Uh, we set up what's called goals in the A-B testing tool, and you track those goals. You even track how engaged people stay on the site after they've seen the test version versus your control version of your existing site. And A-B testing just gives you insights into, you know, the behavior of your customers and the parts of the site that are working in a way you don't get any other way. Because you are measuring things on a really granular level during the test and it's randomly assigned by the computer of which group someone goes in you get something that's really scientifically valid as long as you test long enough with enough people and here's an example of what i mean by um, zero without a b testing and zero with a b so let's say i'm doing some zero research and i come up with an idea and i decide i'm going to change my site and i i do that and 60 days later, I go back and I look at my analytics and I have driven my form completions up. I'm just gonna pick a number out of the air, 4%. Not a very big number, but let's say 60 days later, form completions are up 4%. Here's the thing. I changed my site entirely for everyone. So do I really know what drove, if I changed a bunch of things on the pages or whatever, do I really know what drove that? At 4%, how do I know that some parts of what I changed didn't increase the positive behavior of my prospective leads and customers by 10%, and another part actually was negative, minus 6%. Well, I ended that, up with 4 Yeah, But Deb, isn't that why we just test one thing at a time? No, you don't have to just test one thing at a time. Um, in fact, that's pretty slow. Uh, you have to have a lot of volume to do that. If you have enough traffic volume, if you are booking.com, if you are Amazon, if you are some of these big players in the industry that have tens of thousands of people on their site every day, then yes, you can test one thing at a time. You're going to get results really fast and you can, you can quickly do that. The kind of businesses we tend to work with don't have that high volume of traffic. So we tend to test a set of things all together. 
and then measure every single thing on the page so that we can actually get results and knowledge faster out of that test. So that we can tell, hey, this part contributed a positive 10%, this part was negative 6. Let's keep the positive 10 and let's rethink what to do with this part that didn't do so well. So, I mean, we you take that and just reiterate into another test. You say, oh, you're, we're going to keep the part that worked and not the part that didn't. Without A-B testing, I still made a positive uh, correction. I still increased my form conversion, but I don't really know exactly why. I just know something changed that people liked. And that's still good. And if you don't have enough traffic to do A-B testing, that's not wrong. Um, it's helpful. Well, we just layer in best practices and the, and the learnings about... True. Uh, you know, what sure. can be, be uh, um, implemented. Very, very true. Very, very true. Now, I know that, you know, some people in your audience might be listening to this and saying, you know, hey, I'm really interested in doing this. Um, and I've heard so much about A-B testing. Should I make sure I just hire someone who advertises themselves as an A-B testing firm? And my advice would be, if you talk to a company that says that, you know, First week of working with you, they're going to start running A-B tests on your site. Um, and they aren't going to do any research first. And they aren't going to do any prioritization. And they aren't going to sit down and really learn about your business and your strategy and work up a plan. I would say run because, you know, yeah, A-B testing sure. <laughs> as a, in a silo without that knowledge and analysis and research is, again, just throwing things at the wall and seeing what's sticking. It's just random uh, people getting excited about the tool. <laughs> well, and yeah, that that's not that's not strategic, and that's not going to drive your business in the right direction. Yeah, but unless they, um, I hear you. Now, listen, we all know there's tools out there like free tools like Google Optimize, right? And mm -hmm. uh, you know, oh, cool, I can play around with my headline and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're not scientific with a benchmark and a plan and a strategy, the tool is just a tool. You know, right. opt optimizely, all these other tools out there. That's you know, right. it's it's not what it's not what the tool does. It's how you plan it and make recommendations on it with enough data. Otherwise, you're just playing games. Right. Well, it's like I could, I could hand a hammer and some nails and and a saw to someone if they're not a trained master carpenter. I don't think I'm going to get a very pretty table out of it. You know, you've got to you've got to have the skill to wield the tools appropriately, and you've got to know when to use each tool. And one of the other things that happens sometimes when people start just A/B testing with that with the blinders on, and they're just focused on, hey, we're just going to drive this one metric, and we're going to do whatever it takes to drive this one metric. They may do that, and it may actually end up having side effects that hurt business long term. So you you could do things that maybe increase the number of orders in an e-commerce cart. That order average order value goes down. You end up with more orders to satisfy, more operational overhead to satisfy those orders and get them out the door, but you're making less profit. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't need to be done as a holistic program and A-B testing, you know, just dragging those tools out of the toolbox by themselves and putting them in the hands of someone maybe who doesn't know all the all the approaches that need to happen to make sure that you are testing, measuring, optimizing in the right direction now that's actually dangerous in some ways so that that's why i wanted to caution your users who are maybe like hey i'm excited by this topic make sure that you you have someone who's going to work with you strategically that is the most important thing yeah for sure strategy is there 
strategy first. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a good conversation. I just wanted to wind it up. And um, any last minute thoughts to an executive who's considering this? Obviously, their revenue and profit are at stake here. But anything else you want to comment on as far as um, SCRO in general? Well, I would just say that you know, the right time to do CRO is when you know that you're you're doing well. You're a business owner, a leader, or a marketer. You're you're already successful. You're already doing well. You're already doing a lot of the things that you should be doing. Right? Your content marketing, your marketing automation, and these sort of things. But you just know you can do better. You're just not sure where to start. You're not sure exactly how to drive things in the right direction and move the needle. Um, and this is what you bring in when you're ready. This is not zero is honestly not something for the impatient or the desperate. This is not the kind of thing you bring in when you're, you know, really dealing with some serious uh, cash flow problems or something. Like that. It's not a magic bullet. Um, it is a investment in your business to improve and to become more successful and do it with uh, a process, with a science, and a bit of an art. Um, but that is, that's when it's the right time to do it. When you just know that you're doing well, but you also know you can be doing better. And you just are ready for that. Yep, for sure. Well, Deb, uh, thanks for joining me today. A really good conversation. Hope everybody hung in there because this, is pretty, this is pretty serious stuff. You, you can't take it lightly. I mean, this is your business. And like any business, whether you're in CFO or CTO or whatever, what's people's jobs is to improve the company's efficiency, right? In their mm -hmm. departments, save money, build profit, different departments, sales, operations, and of course, marketing. And if you're not always optimizing your marketing, including websites, landing pages, order value, et cetera, um, you're missing the boat. And um, you just got to think about this. You got to think about it. And if you have enough data, and you, I mean, we all want to grow, right? And uh, and grow further. It, it's it's this is a, a tool that it needs to be part of the plan. I agree with you. It does need to be part of the plan. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, well, thanks, appreciate Paul. It. I had fun this morning. Thank you very much. This is a great conversation and I appreciate you inviting me on as a guest and letting me share some of that, uh, some of that perspective with your audience. Sure. And, uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. And Deb, you can hang on and, uh, we'll, uh, um, look forward to the next show. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.